Mind over movies! The show. Uh, the podcast brought to you now in your ear holes by me and him. Me, we don't Casey. have names anymore. Oh, no, sorry. We don't, we don't no, have names. Okay. We don't do the name thing. Anymore. Never mind. Yeah, no, uh, no names. Protect your information on the internet. Exactly. Get NordVPN. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, we're very excited to <laughs> announce our first sponsor. Yeah. Um, Raytheon, uh, the missile company that <laughs> never quite quits. <laughs> they uh, they got a new line of destructive property out, and we are uh, today we are basically plugging them, reviewing their newest product. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and shoot a cruise missile out of town and test out yeah, one of their products here, today. Let me uh, see how that goes. Okay. Alright, here we go. Okay. And three, two, one. Oh. Yeah, that, that wow. travels far. That was bright. Okay. Well Woo. thank you, Raytheon, yeah. for, the, for the very exciting cruise missile. That's got some that's got some power behind it. Yeah, well y'all go support them. Yeah, use the code Movies Over Mind too. Uh-huh. Um, and you can get a free month of uh, you know, basic artillery basic weapons. Ar- yeah, yeah, not nothing too yeah. crazy, but uh, you will get. You, you know, can't some... commit a serious war crime with it, but no. you can start. You know, yeah. which. Wow, I'm very surprised the dust cloud has moved over here. Yeah, but, I, I knew yeah. ever since I played Fallout Three that I'd probably end up blowing a town. Yeah, to pieces like same, that, same. just for the thrill of it. <gasps> Speaking of Fallout, can Fallout. We, can we can we talk about? video games for a minute we can t- this is the video game podcast is, are you kidding me sorry we're just going to mind over video games now um are you excited for e3 i i forgot that it's happening <laughs> <laughs> um i don't think it happened last year was the no problem, or like virtually i happened? think it was like virtually and nothing huge really happened they released they they announced halo infinite and then it got delayed by like mm. a year um but i have some interesting News: Bethesda and Xbox or and Microsoft are hosting their things together in one huge like conference. When, when does it start? June thirteenth. Oh, okay. Uh, don't know the specific time yet. Um, but there's some crazy shit happening. Okay, now let me uh, now let me uh, talk to you a little bit about um, um, y'all gamers out there. Uh, obviously. Um, sorry, we're getting situated. Um, with E3, there are some crazy, every year leaks uh, get reported and there are rumors and everything. And do you know Jason Schreier of Kotaku? Uh, I've, I've heard that name before. Yeah, he's a very prominent leaker. He, he's a journalist. He pretty much, uh, leaks everything, like, ever. Um, and he's pretty much always right. Um, he's reported that Starfield... Bethesda's oh, new IP. It's crazy because everybody that I was watching on YouTube. Here, I'll stop talking for a second so we can. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we have it. All right, we have it. Everybody that was everybody's like reporting was saying that Starfield was aiming to have a late 2021 release, like a fall 2021 release, and that it was almost done, and they were just polishing it, like it was playable last year, but they're polishing it. Then Jason Schreier comes out and says, "No, the game's nowhere near done." And mm. it's coming out late next year, but they're showing it at E3 this year. And people are like, 
what the fuck. Um, and, but then also with, you know, this is my wishful thinking and hopeful dreams, but um, with Bethesda acquiring, or Microsoft acquiring Bethesda, Obsidian, and in exile already under Microsoft's wing, you got all the original creators of Fallout. Oh, yeah. And everybody's thinking, come together and make the ultimate Fallout game. Because everybody seems to, everybody loves New Vegas. We want Obsidian to keep doing that. Guys from In Exile hop on board with Bethesda's, you know, new engine supposedly that they'll have, um, and do a ultimate Fallout game. Let's see, like, I mean, even if it's not New Vegas too, like, let's just yeah. get Fallout that isn't like completely based around like crafting and base building, mm-hmm. like. I don't know where Bethesda got the idea that, like, that's what players were really wanting. Was, like... it Like, ever since Fallout 4, they yeah. kind of made up their minds that, like... Yeah, we're... The, gonna... the, we gotta streamline the experience. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, even the dialogue options in 4 are trash. And then, I mean, by 76, you don't even have, like, role-playing elements no. anymore. You're just... There were no NPCs it's, at launch. Yeah, yeah. It's shoot, loot, build base, shoot, loot, repeat, like... It's it's horrible what it's what it's turning into, um, and I just hope that that will be remedied. And I'm I'm crossing my fingers that they'll just even announce that it exists, like that the game that a new Fallout game, a new IP exists, but not a new IP, but a new Fallout IP. Um, yeah. And apparently, we're not even going to get the Elder Scrolls Six until like three more years. Oh, damn! So they're like really working on six. Yeah. Um. Or they just haven't started it, and they like totally announced it way too early, two years ago, at, or at the 2018 E3 is when they announced. Think about this, Isaac. I don't. I even if COVID did halt pretty much every single game industry's like you know production, um, and they and it rearranged their timeline. They announced the Elder Scrolls Six in 2018. It is 2021. The last Elder Scrolls game was in 2011. Yeah. I mean, how much more fucking time could you need to do this fucking game? Like, I don't know what... They're going to do the same thing that they did with Fallout 4, and they're going to wait a long time because they need to get the technology, and they want to kind of reinvent the game, and I hope they don't do that. I'm not a huge Elder Scrolls fan, but I don't want what happened to, Elder, what happened to Fallout to happen to Elder Scrolls. I, I feel like Bethesda treats Elder Scrolls better because that's their own baby. Like, mm-hmm. they, they actually made that franchise, right. you know. With Fallout, they just acquired that IP yeah. at some point. And then, you know, like, people obviously loved Fallout 3. Like, mm-hmm. that's undeniable. Fallout yeah. 3 is, like, a very important game. But, like, when it came time to make a sequel, they were like, okay, yeah, fuck it. We're going to go work on Skyrim here, Obsidian. Like, go do your yeah. thing. And then, I mean, obviously... For that kind of mindset, Fallout New Vegas is about the best thing you could get out yeah, of that kind of arrangement. For sure. I here's my thing is like now when developers say they need more time, I'm I'm inclined to believe them because like what I've been hearing about Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven and yeah. like games like that is that they announce it super early on. They don't actually start production on it though after they announce it, like Cyberpunk got announced in 2013, but they didn't start development till like 2016. But yeah. even then, uh, they weren't fully working on Cyberpunk until like 
2018. Yeah, that's just fucking crazy. And they, they said they needed two more years. Like, yeah. 2022 is when that game was going to be ready. And, I mean, Cyberpunk has been released now. And we all know how that turned out. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, so, like, I don't know. I don't mind if they take, like, their time. Because there's other games and other distractions that will come out in the meantime. Like, yeah. I, I really do think that Bethesda has to get Elder Scrolls Six right. Because their reputation has already tanked so mm-hmm. much over the past few years. Like, 4 and 76 just did so much to, to ruin everything yeah. they've built. Like, I, I, I do think they're a bit of a laughing stock right now. They are. Um, I think they uh, they got to do a huge... Their, their E3 showcase better be a huge blowout uh, this year, though. Because uh, everybody's, for some reason, banking on Starfield. They think it's going to be, like... A huge and amazing game even though we know nothing about it i think i think it's just optimism you know like yeah. there, there's not a lot of new ips that come mm-hmm. out a mm-hmm. lot with like the open world rpg yeah Fran- like genre mm-hmm. and like the ones that do come out are, are hit and miss often like you know we're always hoping that there's going to be the next big yeah. like franchise and and, and maybe starlink is gonna be well, not Starlink. What Starfield. Starfield? Yeah, like maybe Starfield will be that one. And I mean, with Bethesda, they've had solid games in the past, and I think people are just hoping that they'll they'll make more of an Elder Scrolls Five rather than a Fallout mm-hmm. seventy six when it comes to this game. You know, it's yeah. a, a kind of memorable experience. Yeah, for real. Yeah, I hope they and I hope they do. Um, and I can't speak for the rest of the like the games that are supposed to be shown at E three. I know. I don't know a whole lot. I really stick to to story driven RPGs. So Bethesda is really in my lane slash most of the stuff. Some of the studios what Microsoft is doing. I know uh, Deathloop is coming out, and then Arcane's got a new game mm. coming out. Ghostwire Tokyo. That's all under the Bethesda umbrella as well, but not directly Bethesda. So I'm excited for all those. I'm excited to shoot some people in video games. I'm 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 pretty excited yeah. as well. I I, I kind of haven't been as good of a gamer this past year mm. as I have been before. So I mean, it would be nice to get back into to some serious gameage. I want to get a PS5 this year. That's my big goal. Right. I mean, if they are ever available yeah. anywhere. That's crazy. Like or it, I mean, even the Xbox. You can't find the new Xbox anywhere. Like nothing. No. People no. just like scalp the shit out of those consoles. You, you can't even buy PC parts right now. Yeah, there's like scalped, a so. shortage. Yeah. I don't know what we need to do to like fix I don't that either. I guess what we have to do is we have to invest in like the meme stocks to the point that That's we're rich true. enough to buy scalped parts. Yeah. Are, are you? Sometimes on Mind Over Movies we get douchey and we get into finance stuff. Yeah. But like, Casey, are you in any stocks no, or Dogecoin or anything right now? I don't now? have any money to be in it right now. I went on vacation and spent all my Doge money. That's hey. what I use Doge for. You use Doge uh, money to go to Florida. Yeah, which it was worth it. But yeah. um, yeah, I just don't. I don't know what to invest in right now. I haven't been paying attention, and I don't want to get burned. Um, I know that AMC did really well, and you were in AMC. I, I AMC, I got it at just the right time. I mean, like, there was a time I could have invested before, and I didn't. But then I got in, like, as it was starting to blow up, mm-hmm. and then I got out recently. But, it, it like, I, I doubled 
what yeah. I invested es- essentially, and it was nice. So now I'm doing something kind of dumb, like Wall Street bets on Reddit. They're they're really pushing for BlackBerry to be the next stock. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm investing a lot of my earnings from these other meme stocks, and I'm being patient for once mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah, like, you know, like I'm just I'm gonna wait until it blows up because it's happened with every other thing like i'm so yeah. bad at like panic selling yeah when it comes to these things i panic sold doge yeah even that, though i made a shit ton of money from it i still i could have made way more if i'd waited but, i mean you can't reflect on the past like that true. you gotta you gotta think about what you've done and not what you could have done yeah deep. i wow hashtag deep <laughs> very good is this watchman yeah this is watch uh hey listeners i casey's realizing that i'm finally gonna make him read watchmen it's sitting yeah. on the coffee table with the mic um and it is the maybe the greatest graphic novel of all time um you've been telling me for months now i've been telling him for months i and you're gonna watch the hbo show too yes like it's, it's not even it's not should, even a joke what should like, i do should i read this first and then watch the hbo show or watch the hbo show and read this well let me tell you the definitive watchman experience okay the hbo show is a sequel to the comic book not it doesn't even acknowledge gotcha. the existence of the movie other Good. than as a joke gotcha. you know like there's an in-universe like tv series that mocks Zack snyder's watchman but you read this and everything in this is canon in the TV show. Okay, gotcha. They do retcon one big thing, but it's the most amazing retconning I've ever seen. And okay. it's like, it's to serve a purpose in its story. I, I, I cannot hype up Watchmen enough. Uh, and, and speaking of comics, I've actually started reading Invincible, the, the comic book, because I, I'm just too impatient and i want to like see where the storylines are going i kind of thought i wanted to read it too because there was that post it was like the huge graphic novel and it was like this like they can't see but my my fingers are very close together it's like this much of the book was in season one yeah and i was like holy shit we got so much content to go through well something that i'm realizing about the tv show is they've done like an amazing job adding material to mm-hmm. the to the comic book like in issue one of the book which will take you about like 10 minutes to read like mark gets his powers by like page 10 and you know it's like in the show you have to wait like for the majority of the episode and mm-hmm. then also you get the twist in episode one yeah. i am i'm like five issues into the comic book and there has been no indication of any like violent um undertones or like any kind of truths wow. revealed about omni-man and i'm realizing that the, i think the show is much better paced like in some spots it's slower but it's faster with the reveals that keep the audience like right. interested so it's very interesting to come back to these comics and and think like oh wow people had to read this for like seven months before they found yeah. out that there was something sinister going on wow you know? interesting i i didn't expect it to be like paced that you know slowly i guess in the comics not that that's a bad thing i it it would definitely have way more of an impact yeah (laughs) if you're on like issue 10 and all of a sudden it happens you're like wait 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 what yeah (laughs) excuse me excuse the fuck out of me this is um this is actually a really good time for for comics like we've gotten Mm -hmm. um 
we we just got the Invincible adaptation. Um, Netflix tried their hand at comic book adaptation. They dropped Jupiter's Legacy, oh, yeah. which has just been canceled um, the other day. Amazing. Yeah, not not only did it apparently do uh, very poorly critically, but I don't apparently Netflix. Uh, you know, when they keep track of the numbers, they want a show to hit a certain amount, and Jupiter's Legacy didn't hit it at all. So they they've gone ahead and canceled it. Uh, that's to be expected. Yeah, honestly, but they're Netflix. trying their hand again. Like they're okay. not discouraged. They're doing Sweet Tooth. Do you know anything about mm-hmm. that? It's produced by Robert Downey Jr. and his wife, and okay. it's like a a comic book uh, like fantasy story, but it's set in the post-apocalypse so it's like mad max meets like pinocchio or something i don't know that it looks weird, interesting but okay but it's it, it just came out I it think. did so I'm, I'm thinking about okay. watching it okay yeah well um i know you have seen a movie recently as of late never and ne- never no what are you talking about oh i'm sorry i forgot sorry isaac uh he doesn't watch movies anymore, guys. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Um, well, I guess that's the end of the episode, so we can go ahead and... Uh, okay. All right, we'll see you later. There. But yeah, yeah, I did I did see a movie. <laughs> you cheeky little, you cheeky little blimey boy. You bastard. I, I sure did go to the cinemas, and I'm surprised you haven't seen this. I asked I you before we started recording, but I watched Quiet Place 2 this week. Do you want to know how it was, love? How was it, love? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, I. Here's the thing. I know Quiet Place, the first one, is like a five star movie to you. Yes, I love it. I think it's perfect. But okay, I think that's like a three star movie for me. Oh, okay. But that's not like I'm hating on it yeah. or anything. I just think that it's. You just think it's good, and that's I just it. think it's pretty solid. Yeah, and I I think it's one of those movies where like. It's best enjoyed with your brain turned off a little bit and not thinking about the life. Like, just go along with what John Krasinski mm-hmm. is, like, bringing you along the ride for. Like, the the first movie is a great roller coaster, mm-hmm. essentially. And so, like, like, any good, like, roller coaster, you know, when you make the next one, you want it to, like, maybe go a little bit higher yeah. than the first. Maybe you add more loops and <laughs> twists. Yeah. Uh, but, but the, the fact of the matter is if, if the first roller coaster thrills people and takes people on a ride, uh, and you go on another one that's very similar to it, you, you kind of expect a -hmm. lot of the things that are on this, this second roll. I'm just going to stop talking in analogies. Basically what I'm saying is like, I feel like they kind of did most of the things that they wanted to do with this concept Mm -hmm. in quiet place one. Which is not to say that Quiet Place 2 is a bad movie. It's just like, as I was watching it, I, I, I thought to myself, like, yeah, this feels like a pretty good continuation of the story, but it feels like it was mostly made because the first movie made a lot of money on yeah. a low budget and people like John Krasinski. And it's like, this is very exciting to see in theaters. Like, I don't think that coming out of Quiet Place 2 that the universe has had anything added to it that makes it substantially more interesting. Like, the the big selling point is in the trailer. Like, Cillian Murphy's all like, some people, I mean, if you saw the way people are, you'd know they're not worth saving mm-hmm. and stuff. And you kind of think going into the movie, oh, this is about, like, 
other people in the apocalypse. It's not. It's not. I, I'm just going to... It's not even a spoiler to say that. <laughs> the movie is hardly about shitty people in the mm-hmm. apocalypse. Like, it is most of the first movie's, like, troubles. Like, loud, making loud noises makes the Demogorgon from Stranger Things very, very angry. And can I say... If you thought there was any doubt in the first movie that um, John Krasinski was not just copying and pasting the Demogorgon from Stranger Things, you will go into this movie and look like a fucking clown. Like, the way that their, like, heads open up. It Mm -hmm. is the Demogorgon, and I cannot believe he got away with it. (laughs) I know what you did! (laughs) I mean, it's a cool-ass monster design either way, but... It is. Yeah, I can see it. The way they move as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 that's just the thing. It's a, it's a very entertaining movie, mm-hmm. and like especially in the theater, that is the way it's meant to be seen. But like John Krasinski was not trying to make a movie that's gonna make people like mm-hmm. you know think too deeply. It's to mm-hmm. make you shit your pants when mm-hmm. there's a loud noise, um, and that's perfectly fine. Um, and, and all the actors in the movie are really great. Like Cillian Murphy um, comes into him. this movie. Uh, he's great. He's also, like, I mean, I know the movie's called fucking Quiet Place, but he is horse as shit. Like, <laughs> we, the deaf girl, when she signs, you know, there's subtitles at least. Yeah. Cillian Murphy needed his own goddamn subtitles. I could not understand half of the shit he was saying. I cannot stress that enough. Like, I, he sold it because yeah. it looks like he's feeling whatever he's saying. What he was saying? I don't know. No, I don't fucking <laughs> know. That's funny. I, I'm I'm still excited for it. No, you should be. I I think Krasinski's a good director. You know, he didn't even want to do a second one. Oh yeah, I can tell. Yeah, <laughs> he he didn't. And then they they were like, but 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 John, it's gonna make us a lot of fucking money. And he was like, okay. Um, which I mean, you know, from what I've heard, I guess as far as horror sequels go. Probably nowhere near, you know, the bottom of the barrel for, no. for horror sequels. So I'm glad with that. Now, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm glad that's the consensus on this one so far is that it's not bad. It's actually pretty good for a horse. It it is pretty good. I just I think like it's one of those where if you were gonna do a double feature, you might end up getting a little bored. Gotcha. It's like during the second movie, it's like oh, we just saw a lot of this stuff in the first movie. Um, I don't know why we're doing that, but it would gotcha. be a very tight three-hour mm-hmm. double feature, you know? Yeah. And I, like, I feel like I've sounded like I've been harping on it. I had a great time right. in the theater. Like, it, I, it, I think what I'm hearing is that it just uses most of the same gimmicks from the first movie. Yeah. Trying to reuse them, and that's what, that's what I've heard from a couple other reviews, which is to be expected. I kind of thought from the trailer we were mm-hmm. getting, like, an opening up of the world. Gotcha. But, but to be honest, like... The most expansive part of this movie was the first ten minutes, which is, uh, I don't want to like spoil too much, but it's which like is like an explanation, right? like yeah. a, a, like a look into the past, you know, to see what's happened before, right. and that and that was cool as shit. And mm-hmm. I, I honestly think like I I felt like I could have watched a whole movie about how we came to where we are mm-hmm. by the point in the first movie. Because yeah, it, it seems very sudden. You know, and, 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 and pretty crazy. But yeah, I liked I liked Quiet Place Part 2. I can't wait for you to see it. Maybe yeah. we can have a more in-depth 
True. Discussion. Spoiler review, maybe. Possibly. Did you, Have you seen anything? Um, yeah, I actually, about two and a half hours ago, I watched um, Bo Burnham's new comedy special, Inside. Um, and You watched it Inside? That's great. I watched what, it. What's the special called? It's called Inside. <gasps> Your mom. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um... I wouldn't call it a comedy special. I wouldn't even label it like it's funny, but oh my god, bro, it's depressed. Like if you are even if you are having a bad day or you are in mentally just a bad state, do not watch the special. Like watch it when you when you're happy and you go to laugh, and then you can come out fucking depressed as hell, um, but also feeling kind of good. I don't know. Like basically, like. I'm not going to spoil any of this special, but let me tell you, all the songs in this thing are bangers. Like, I went back after I finished it and listened to certain songs, and he has this whole bit where he will pop in randomly a couple times and sing a song about Jeff Bezos, and it's really fucking funny. Um, But, like, it's literally just watching a somebody who's very, like, creative and, like, just needs to be creative all the time losing creativity like slowly but like the whole thing is super creative i mean he did it some of the stuff he pulls off just by himself you know he did this by himself wrote it did all the songs bought a camera lights did all that shit edited edited it even it's insanely well done you know for just him doing it but like the whole like thesis of it is like what happens when somebody when creatives i guess are like forced into a space and then they can't I mean you can go outside but like during you know especially when he started it kind of earlier in the pandemic it was really like you didn't want to go outside um and he kind of just slowly deteriorates like through the special and like him doing this project becomes like a thing to where he doesn't want it to end and he starts fearing it ending and he like has like it's just like you just got to watch it like i i'm not it's so tragic that it's called a comedy special. I think it's honestly could be just his like second movie from like he did eighth grade. You know, this yeah. is his like next directorial uh, movie. Um, it's fucking awesome. I I give it five out of five. I absolutely loved it. I was literally already crying like twenty minutes into it because I was like, bro, what the fuck is he doing? Um, a lot more depressing than I thought it was gonna be. Uh. Wasn't really about the pandemic either, which I know on our last episode, we had said we're tired of, we don't want the whole shtick of like being stuck inside. Like we've already done that. We don't want to see more about that. I don't think he made it like to be about the pandemic at all. It's really about him and about mental health and which is crazy because like it just, you go in expecting one thing and you get something else and which is awesome every, like every time you experience that feeling. And but with this, it's really, it's really fucking something, man. I highly, highly recommend this to everybody. I think it is really fucking good. There were no moments where I just busted out, you know, gut belly laughing. But it's, it's just he's so smart in his comedy, and he knows the culture. Like even though he's older than us, he knows our culture, and he knows how to counter it, and to also make us laugh about it. He's just, I just think he's amazing. And uh, this special is, is really something I, yeah, I liked it a lot. 
Yeah, I, I, I've heard a lot of great things about it, which definitely makes me go back and, and cringe that I said, like, oh, you know, it looks bad. But, I mean, we're, we're not all... Oh, no, we're obviously... <laughs> we, we can't get everything right with our predictions. Like, I don't know. I feel like I've been surprised so many times mm-hmm. when something's come out and people have been like, oh, that's actually, like, really, really good. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, I think it's kind of... I think it's interesting to see what we think about something. We did the same thing with Zack Snyder's uh, yeah. Justice League. It's interesting to see what we think when we just see the concept and just see a trailer and then we actually watch it. And then we're surprised... I would honestly, I love it better when I'm my when I'm wrong about yeah. something. I love it because I'm like, that was good. I didn't waste my time, and I found something new that I'll probably go back and rewatch very soon. And yeah, it's cool. So I I definitely like I've noticed over the years like whenever I like am skeptical mm-hmm. of something, that's like my favorite mindset to be in because people can tell me whatever like, oh, I think that actually looks good, and I'll be like. Yeah, fuck it, that looks bad. And like when I'm proven wrong, I'm I'm genuinely like filled with joy. I'm like <laughs> yeah. this is so exciting. And I mean, even if it's not that great, like yeah. that's the thing is I don't think Zack Snyder's like Justice League mm-hmm. is a masterpiece or right. anything. But I'm so happy to see that like it entertained me. It mm-hmm. really did. And it, for the full four hours and everything, which I you know, famously I was like not famously <laughs> uh, just like I was very outspoken that yeah. I thought that sounded like a horrible idea. Like, who the fuck is yeah. going to sit down and, and watch, watch a four-hour four hour. movie? Yeah. Or you said it was. You said it sounded like torture. It did, and I agreed did. with you. And I was like, yeah, it's that's torture. Well, I know Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah. And nothing he's ever done had ever made me go like, oh yes, this is great. Like I remember watching yeah. Three Hundred back in the day mm-hmm. and thinking that movie was like a fucking eternity and, and hating it, which. That's only like an hour and a half or yeah. something like that. It's 45 minutes if you take all the slow motion and make it real time. Yeah, I wanted it to be real time. <laughs> and I needed those Spartans to stop being so freaking, you know, I don't know. It was just like such a man's man movie. Yes. Like I can see how in 2006 it'd be very popular. But like I don't think anyone like idealizes like the Spartans that mm. way anymore. Or like war movies like that. Like Like we were talking about last week. Yeah, it was like kind of a, movies, yeah. it's like a war crime. A yeah, lot of the time. yeah <laughs> I, I mean, obviously the Spartans. That's a different story. But do you want to know something interesting? What we've got, we've got our history a bit wrong with the with the the Battle of Thermopylae. Like we we think of the Spartans as like these ultimate like underdogs and everything. Mm-hmm. Like and the Persians as like the ultimate evil. But like yeah. The Persians actually let most of the people they conquered like govern themselves. They were just like, you you got to be a part of the the Persian Empire. Like what what the Spartans took issue with was like the the baby murders and the the rape of young boys would probably have to like stop. Yeah, under probably. Rule. <laughs> it's like mm, we don't really like you know child sodomizers, mm-hmm. and the Spartans were like, oh man don't take that away <laughs> like don't don't conquer us and, and and ruin our fun and they they stood their ground there um and then i mean yeah it, it's pretty impressive that like mm-hmm. you know 300 of them backed by like 5,000 like athenians or something right um stood their ground against like a ton of persians but at the same time it's not like they were the paragon of like modern society yeah, Part- yeah. spartans let me just get this out of the way they they suck <laughs> yeah 
They, they, if you met a Spartan today, that guy would be an asshole, and you wouldn't oh, want to yeah. hang out with him. Oh my god, totally. Even if it was shirtless Michael uh, Fassbender, you know, yeah. you you still would see that guy and be like, "Fuck you, man." Fuck you. I don't think I want to meet anybody of any army in history. Like no, like especially ancient history. They'd probably look at you and just kill you on sight for not looking the way you're supposed to look to them. I guess I don't know. Like, what? When do you think the cutoff date is? Like in history, when you could meet someone and they wouldn't be immediately repulsed by like you as a person or you repulsed by them? Because I think it's much later than one might think. Like, I wouldn't want to meet someone from like 1950 even. I would want to meet people starting in like the 70s at the earliest you know? really yeah. i would i would go with world war one really yeah because they wouldn't i mean there was rampant racism and, and and horrible atrocities uh still going on even in america at that time but i feel like if you met a soldier from world war one they wouldn't immediately just jump to wanting to to kill you like you would if you met like a spartan or a, a fucking like um, what are those really awful fucking? Uh, I can't think of them. something about ancient history. I think um, Romans, yeah, Romans. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but it may be World War Two. I don't know. See the <laughs> the thing is, like, I don't know. I feel like all those guys would be assholes still. Like, oh yeah, most people no. would just be like unlikable to me. Yeah. Like I feel like by the time the seventies rolls around, like you at least have a bit of a free thinkers movement going That's on. True. Like, That's you know, people true. went to Woodstock in the late sixties and they, they got their minds opened up and yeah. there's like at least something. But then I don't know. I I would want to meet people from the eighties, but it depends on the person because the eighties were also the biggest time for like Reaganomics and like, you know, the the far right to like ruin the world so, yeah i don't know can, can i ask you i'm gonna ask you a philosophical question here okay absolutely. um i watched no i'm gonna say this is oh my god sam if you make a meme about this um i'm gonna sound so fucking stupid here there in tom clancy's newest movie without, without remorse, remorse yeah i watched that by the way it, it, it's okay um yeah, yeah you didn't even bring it up no wow. I, I watched it like three weeks ago and still haven't brought it up <laughs> it's just not that important to me but there is a, a, a sentiment shared by the villain towards the end of the movie, and he talks about how they're basically, they were trying to, throughout the whole movie, the whole thing was they were, spoilers for Without Remorse if you give a fuck, <laughs> um, they were trying to frame the Russians, um, saying that the Russians were going to attack on American soil so that they could start a war with them, and this, this guy's whole theology, which is stupid for like the movie, then I was thinking about it, and I was like, wait a minute. I mean, like, I don't agree with it, but I was like, it kind of makes sense if you think about, like, kind of. Anyway, I'll explain it. But he says the Russians in the 80s, during the Cold War era, like the height of the Cold War, the Russians were our greatest enemy that we've ever had to face because they were – they're just as smart as us. Like their government and, and, and the, the spying and like their military strategies, you know, the way they govern, like they're just as smart as us and they're our perfect match to go up against. And he's like, also, when we were in the Cold War, Americans were united against one thing and it was uh, mm. communism. 
and it was the Russians, and we like we gotta beat them to space, we gotta beat them in this front, we can't have nuclear war. And he's like, I want to unite people again. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, during the 80s, all anybody ever talked about, like one thing you could agree with your neighbor on was like those damn communists in this fucking country and their Russia's trying to invade us and whatnot. Do you think that the Cold War era was like the most we've been united in a while against one thing. I think I think that yeah, fear mongering worked really well back then. Like, I think that um, one of the biggest threats in like human existence has been nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. And when you are a citizen of a country that could be theoretically like nuked by another country. It's mm-hmm. really easy to be afraid right. of that other country and the ideology that they have. Um, I'm looking at Watchmen right now, and I'm not going to spoil much of that book oh, for yeah, you. There's but, Cold War politics in there. But right there. the whole basis of Watchmen is that the Doomsday Clock, which was designed by scientists to, to right. usher in, you know, like when we're going to, when the end of the world is going to happen. Uh, it, it's coming closer to midnight because the Russians and the Americans are are coming to a head in their like conflict and like the threat of nuclear bombs at any day mm-hmm. is like hanging over the whole plot of that story, and and that was a real fear in the eighties. Is like, yeah, we we could wake up and uh, be in a nuclear holocaust tomorrow, yeah. and it could be terrible. Mm-hmm. I think that that probably is. When we were the no, I, I don't know. Like I think there were enough free thinkers in in the eighties at that point to like mm-hmm. be like, oh, communism itself isn't all that bad. I think that this Cold War though is pretty terrible. Um, mm-hmm. I think we were probably the most united against the British. Like to be honest, like back oh, in back in oh yeah when we first when we first were were becoming a country. But even then, you know, you had a fair share mm-hmm. of loyalists who were like. You know, Britain is a pretty good mother country. Like, let's let's stay. I don't know. There's always been division in America, but I think definitely the Ruskies were an easy villain. And mm-hmm. and that's something I've noticed in movies too. Mm-hmm. Is like even though the Cold War has been over for like thirty years, like Russians are still a, a, a go to villain, villain, and yeah. people like accept that. You know, yeah. without without any thought. Um, and it's because we've never really repaired that um relationship. that relationship yeah. you know like sure trump and vladimir putin were like really great friends but like i think that just that drives disdain even more because that's a mark of russia actually fucking exactly. with our country that's just like a pile of shit next to a pile of shit like what do we do with that nothing like the they're probably one of the countries that i fear the most i fear china honestly like their oh, China's- military, uh, just like their, they don't. China, even though we do bit, we do huge trade and huge business with China. China doesn't like us, and most people, most government officials don't like China either. Not talking about its people. It's go- I'm not strictly talking about governments here. Yeah, uh, don't really like China. They never really liked us, and they have a a million fucking reasons to just attack us any day. Um, which is why I think does the Chinese get a lot of uh, vilified vilified in, in movies? They don't get vilified in movies because here's the thing: 
I, this is actually a really great mini topic to yeah. have right now. China has a lock on like the bo- the world that's, box office. Yeah, that's this is why mind. you're seeing things like John Cena have to apologize for calling Taiwan a country because mm-hmm. China uh, does not recognize Taiwan as a country. They think it's part of their territory and they mm-hmm. refuse to acknowledge that it governs itself. And that's the thing is like most movies made by like Disney mm-hmm. or like the big studios are catering to China 100%. Yeah. Like yeah. Disney will not include gay characters in their movie or explicitly gay mm-hmm. characters in their movies because China will not show the movie and they'll lose millions and millions of dollars, you know? Um same thing with the posters with the with the um, black people. Yeah. They, they won't show like Black Panther the difference between the China uh, and Chinese and American posters, the China poster had him with the mask on, and then the American poster just had Chadwick Boseman's face. Uh, and then Finn was completely taken out of the Chinese poster and the Star Wars uh, posters for China as well. And, and this is where things get like tricky with the Chinese government. Is like It will never be mainstream to talk about the problems with China in the movies. Mm-hmm. Because China is such a valuable um, market. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, like, you know, this is why we don't hear people talking about, like, the literal genocide Mm -hmm. going on in China with internment camps over there. This is why we don't hear about, you know, the the cameras that spy on their citizens and track down protesters Mm -hmm. in order to, like, arrest them. You know, We, we ignore so much, like, shady stuff over there to make money at the box office like truly and and that's why i think this like john cena case is so interesting is because when you first hear it you're like what the hell happened yeah just he's just like giving an interview and he acknowledges taiwan which is a country yeah it is a country but china like contacts who who makes the fast and furious movies what Um, studio is that that's universal universal yeah china contacts universal it's like you know, get your guy to apologize or else Fast and Furious 9 isn't going to play in our, oh, in our yeah, market. And yeah. then we get this weird, like, in Chinese, like, in Mandarin apology from, from John Cena. And it's, it's crazy, like, that they have that much influence over the box office. Exactly. Like, we, we never used to be afraid of making, like, Red Dawn, you know? Yeah. And, and even when we, meet, we remade Red Dawn, it, was it wasn't... Koreans. It was the North Koreans, yeah. yeah. Which, that's something that's been interesting. Like, the, the vilification by decade of, of um, different cultures and peoples. Mm-hmm. Like, throughout the 80s and even still in the 90s, it was the Russians and the 2000s. I mean, thanks to a great bit of Islamophobia in 9-11, we mm-hmm. had, like, Middle Easterners as yes. the villains in, like, every movie. And mm-hmm. there would always be, like, that sting. It's like, oh! Yeah. It's terrible. Like, that's, that's what we associate yeah. with them. And I, I think, like, Team America, like, is the best movie about, like, Islam. Have you seen Team America? I've seen clips of it. I know the, I know the, all the good parts. Yeah, they've got, they've got, like, Middle Easterners in the movie, and they, they boil it down mm-hmm. to, like, its most basic level, where it's like, oh, they're speaking a language we don't understand, so they, all the Arab characters in the movie just say, Durka Durka, Durka Durka. durka. <laughs> Because that's, you mean, that yeah. might as be, well be what they're saying to American audiences because we don't actually know yeah. the difference between yeah. you know, that language. Which is 
so awful. What uh, I think it's so interesting though, because if you just I just like cinema history. Like if you go back, you can trace you can trace real world politics into every single movie ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and why the uh, the villains of this movie like why they're German? It's like oh World War Two and post World War Two. Uh, why were they Russian? Those are the Cold War. Uh, you know stuff like that, or just any like sort of competition that America's had with another country. It'll come out in the villains of the movie, uh, especially noir films. I believe had a particular. Le- like leaning towards German, um, uh, fucking villains. Sorry, yeah, I'm losing my train of thought. They would be always have like the, like genuine forties and fifties yeah, noir movies. Noir movies would be like you know the guy with the monocle, and he would talk in the German accent, even though he was a fucking American actor. I mean, sometimes they had German actors in America, like the okay the four the thirties, forties, fifties slash sixties was a wild time for cross. Um, like bringing uh, actors from different countries into America to play in American Hollywood movies. We see that a lot now, but like you wouldn't think you'd see that back then, but you actually did. Like the guy from um, in Fritz Lang's uh, M, like the probably the first thriller, true thriller, greatest thriller ever made. Um, can't remember his name. It's Peter something. Um, Peter Sellers? He, maybe. Uh, Shoot, I don't know. Is have he Grand Moff Tarkin? No, he's not. Oh, never mind. Uh, he was like, he, in that German movie, came over to America, and I'm pretty sure he played in Hitchcock's The Man Who Knew Too Much oh. uh, and a couple other noir films, which, you know, it's just interesting. But if you, but yeah, you can, hardest thing I ever had to hear, uh, freshman, you know, sophomore year of college was Professor Keith Corson was teaching film theory. And he told us that every film is political. And I said, what the fuck are you saying? There are some apolitical movies. There are no apolitical movies. Any fucking schlop that tells you they're making something that's apolitical, it's automatically political because you're making it for political reasons by saying it's going to be apolitical because I don't want any of these subset of politics in there. Well, we know what your politics are, so therefore your work is political. Yeah. And, you know, politics don't have to just explicitly be in movies, but it's how political the movie is made. For example, with the Magnificent Ambersons, uh, fucking Orson Welles' second movie he ever did, he had a specific ending designed for it to where it was going to be like a downer ending. And the studio didn't like that, so he was on vacation. They burned all the negatives of the last 20 minutes of his film and reshot a newer, sloppier, shittier, happier ending. And we don't know what his original ending was because they, they released the Magnificent Ambersons like that. Oh, so God. now that film's political because to understand why the movie ends like that, you have to be like, why did what kind of ending was that? Well, you just look, you just look up on Wikipedia. The studio fucking hated Orson Welles. They burned his original ending. You know, shit's wild. Shit's whack. That that was what was so interesting about Mank to me is that like half of the movie is about like trying to get this political mm-hmm. candidate like elected, elected, yeah, um, and and just like all of the shit that went into that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's like movies have always been very politically based, and, and and something that you know counteracts what we were talking about, where we always vilify another country. Mm-hmm. So I think that some of the more interesting movies that come out look within. You know, they look mm-hmm. at our own country and our own failings, 
and that's a that's a whole counterculture i don't even know if it's a counterculture because it's also kind of a popular genre to talk mm-hmm. about like oh the american government is corrupt in this these ways and they're doing this like i don't know why this is the movie that's coming to mind but do you know shia labeouf's mm-hmm. like 2000 mass 2007 masterpiece eagle eye i love that fucking movie eagle eye actually slaps and it's a sharp criticism of the patriot act i haven't seen it since i was like nine but like let's pretend like yeah yeah yeah. from what i remember Mm -hmm. very like you know the american government monitoring us is like sharply criticized it's definitely like pointing the fingers at us rather than other countries Mm -hmm. like we are our own destruction it's like that's great. That that's so interesting. And there there is even another movie I watched a couple years ago called like um, Eye in the Sky. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I've heard of it. it I haven't seen it, but it's just like Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. Yeah, has yeah. got to make up, like has got to talk to his supervisors, of course, of whether they're going to do a drone strike on this house because a child is playing outside, and like the whole hour and a half is them going through the moral decisions of like drone. Of drone striking a house with, like, a terrorist in it. Yeah. While there's, like, possible collateral damage that could happen and, like, lives that could could be lost in that. And it's very interesting. And I think those movies tend to be more interesting than movies that have, like, you know, a half-assed, like, Russian villain. Right, right. Um... You know what? I'm gonna bring it all back here. We don't have to talk about this for very long. This is just a thought I had. But... Talk about, you know, with movies, we always pick a villain, mostly from another country, Russian, mm-hmm. German, whatever. Now, as you mentioned, the response to sort of older Hollywood movies, villains, is more, more pointing the finger back at us, talking about our failings. What in the hell, I'm going to bring it back to video games here. Oh. What in the hell is Call of Duty's moral standing? What in the fuck do they believe in? I don't know because it it seems like they're they're flip flopping between accusing the Russians of being warmongers and then in some games they're like, ah oh, man, the American war machine is like terrible. And it's like, I think the most like patriotic game series there is like, oh yeah, we fucking mm-hmm. love the military, like we love war. And then also the most like man, war is fucked, the government's fucked, man, I can't believe it. Like, I, I honestly can't tell you in the whole franchise where their politics lie. Yeah. But, I mean, if you got into each game, which, I mean, I, I haven't played all of the Call of Duty games. Have you played most of them? I've played nearly all of them, yeah. Well, let's let's go. Okay, okay. Call of Duty, the original, the World War II. Uh, very one. first one, obviously yeah. very against, you know, the Germans. Like, mm. we were like... I mean, that pretty much that's the most justifiable war we've ever had is against Hitler. Uh, that's the Axis powers. Yeah. Okay. So we can mark off like the first three Call of Duties. Yeah. They're all World exactly. War Two games, mm-hmm. and they're very basic. But modern right. warfare. What? Modern warfare gets tricky because they fictionalized Russians basically invading or trying to attack America. It's Cold War politics in 2007 for some reason. Mm. So I guess kind of lies with the Hollywood theme of like. We're going to make the Russians the bad guy because we need a villain. Um, but this was like the first sort of like alternate future Call of Duty that we had where they made up, you know, the villains and they were Russian. So, gotcha. I guess, fuck if I know. Oh, I, Problematic, I guess, sort of. Yeah, I mean, there's that, 
I don't know. I, I, I actually, dirty, uh, dirty confession here, I haven't beaten the campaign for Modern Warfare or even played it all that much. Um, gotcha. I watched my cousin play it in 2007, so <laughs> anything I remember about it, right. which is mainly that nuke at the, at the end. Yeah. I mean... That's cool. Yeah. I guess with 1, 2, and 3, it's all the streamlined story, and the third one ends with World War Three, and it's like another like Axis powers, essentially. It's like Russia mm. and a couple other countries. Um, and then Black Ops, it's it, it's... It's fictionalized, but it's set in the Cold War era, so I guess you could say it's justified then because we're fighting the Russians. I like how you just ignore World at War, just like get it out. Oh of here. yeah, it's sorry. World um, War II. Well, <laughs> no, World at War was uh, set in the timeline right before Black Ops, so it was still the Russians. Ah. So it was. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was set in the Vietnam War. World at War. Yeah. There's really? a, there. Yeah, there's a mission where you, I'm pretty sure you have to fight. Was it the Viet Cong that we were fighting, or were we fighting with the Viet Cong? No, we were fighting against the Viet Cong. Okay, you have to fucking you have to grab a flamethrower in one mission, oh. and run through and just fucking flame. See, that's where that's where I'm saying like, what what the fuck do they believe in? Because obviously, Vietnam War, very problematic war. Yeah, there's a whole mission dedicated to you running around killing Viet Cong. I don't understand. Well, and then there's like, what what. <laughs> I, I've never actually... I don't even know that much about Modern Warfare 2's campaign, but, like, mm-hmm. what is the context of the no-Russian mission where they go in the airport oh, and they, like, yeah. shoot all those people? So you go in undercover. They spend, like, fucking six months trying to... You get, like, all these tattoos and shit, and you're, like, a whole... They give you a whole new identity, and they're, like, you're Alexei Baroden, and you have to infiltrate... Makarov, which is like the terrorist Russian terrorist um, leader, and they know that he's going to attack an American airport, and um, or they're, they're going to attack a Russian airport and blame it on the Americans to start a war. So they're like, you have to go undercover, and <laughs> it's really shitty. They're like, you're you're not going to stop him from killing all these people. We need you to let him kill all these people in the airport, and you need to go along with it. So that we can catch him trying to frame America, because they knew he was, you know. But he ends up killing you at the end and framing you instead, and the whole cover, the whole operation goes to shit, and then that's when the war starts. Yeah. Yikes. (laughs) Big yikes. But yeah, I don't know, man. I just that was a thought I had though. Yeah, that that whole series. What? Yeah. So we're caught up. Like you played the the newest campaign. Yeah. Black, yeah. Black Ops Cold War. Like, does it get in anywhere interesting? Is it like the original Black Ops, or is it boring? It's just like the original Black Ops. The campaign is about as good as what I remember the first Black Ops campaign being. Um, I. It's just. I mean, here's the thing. It's set in the Cold War again. So there's not much more to that you can add with all the movies that have came. I mean, all the 60s and 70s, even mostly the 80s were in film, was literally just Cold War politics. They could see every single fucking film. So it's like there's nothing really they can add to it in a video game, especially one they've already done three different times. You know? So it was more of the same. Mm. Yeah. Pretty baseline, but... I guess I guess that makes Spec Ops the line still the the ultimate game to to play. I've instead never of, I've never played it. I, that's like I don't want to give too much away, but that's like the ultimate like man. F- 
fuck what fuck war crimes dude <laughs> like it, it starts out like a traditional like third person shooter uh-huh. and then as it goes on it, it becomes a little bit more insidious and like reveals stuff like it was free on steam for a while i, I wonder if yeah. it still is but just in case you ever yeah want to play it or, or or go on the wikipedia page and find out for yourself like, right <laughs> cool yeah i'll yeah. play that because i remember isn't that part of tom clancy's bring it all back again tom clancy's book series because they have splinter no. cell those games no, no spec ops is different i okay. think you might be thinking of like tom clancy's like ghost recon yeah yeah and then the, he has like rainbow six siege and shit. rainbow six siege is great yeah do, do you do you ever play multiplayer games like that where like when I, you die in the round you're dead for the rest of the round yeah because well all i play in on call of duty is search and destroy oh nice so yeah so like you know the um objective based game modes is kind of my thing and i've always wanted to play rainbow six but I just don't know if I can get into it now or not. I don't know. Oh, you Maybe can totally you get into it. Like, they still have seasons going on. It's, like, one of the more popular shooters right. out there because it just has a continuing, like, base. Gotcha. I mean, they might be making a sequel soon. I don't know, mm-hmm. though. Because, I mean, they're probably just going to milk as much money out of this original base game. It's been out for game. years. Yeah, it's been out for years, but it's making money still. It's yeah. got an esports scene. I mean, why the hell not? Why the hell not? Speak, speaking of Clancy, we're about to get a Clancy verse. A Clancy verse? That's what they're trying to set up with without remorse. They're setting up a Rainbow me? Six movie. Yeah. Well then, what? Dude, was it even that good to no warrant a Clancy verse? No. I'm so fucking tired of extended universes. Like, I am too. It was cool when Marvel did it, and you know I respect them for that. But like everyone, just just stop trying yeah. like make some new fucking movies I, I i heard a depressing statistic that like of the top 50 grossing movies of the past 10 years like three of them are original, original. yeah i, I are, heard are that not, as well i'm based on something and that's just fucking awful i know yeah because um it's easier like this is no like big secret it's way easier to market something somebody already knows like sequels that's why there's so many sequels and reboots because if you introduce something to somebody new they're most of the time they're gonna be like weary of it and they're like yeah i might not go see it in theater but if you say hey spider-man 2 is coming out they'll be like what the yeah i'm gonna go give me all the get take my money yeah so like it's way easier that's why hollywood just doesn't do a whole lot of original shit and when they do do original shit they ask whoever wrote it can we turn this into a universe yeah like th- i think the most interesting example is like those fucking recent cloverfield movies like the, the oh, cloverfield God, paradox yeah. and 10 cloverfield lane movies that were not originally cloverfield properties that like jj abrams just saw and was like you wanted it to be a cloverfield movie yeah yeah come on let's make it a cloverfield movie which 10 cloverfield lane sure that's fine whatever because most yeah. of the movie gets to be independent of it and mm-hmm. then it happens at the end and you're like okay fine but cloverfield paradox i think is one of the worst fucking like sequels like or it's supposed add-ons to right. the universe i've ever seen because it's a pretty shitty space movie already and then they try and tie it into cloverfield and it's just sloppy it's like yeah. when in the joker movie they had like the the wayne family show up at any point it's like just stop trying to like yeah, add the yeah. connections like this feels all very fan servicey and, yeah. and sloppy 
And I mean, obviously, I'll save that discussion for, for when we watch Joker for yeah. this show. But you know, I just I'm tired of it. Let's just go off and do our own thing. Yeah. God damn it. Let's like let's make original programming. Yeah. Y'all, y'all, please support indie films. Like, please. <laughs> you know, uh, companies like Neon and A24, especially Neon because it's yeah. Korea, mostly Korean and international films and please support them and watch their films man it's we're, we're being taken over by hollywood well luckily i mean the thing is with the movie industry expanding we do have more people watching indie movies it's just like i do wish they got more popular more often like i i would love to see an original ip like in charge of the box office mm-hmm. rather than like some random sequel or or superhero movie you know it's just like after a while it's like uh a fucking course you're making the most money like yeah whatever. it'll just be nice to have a box office back here in yeah a little bit. like yeah, we have true. quiet place Two dominating yeah. the box office right now and mm-hmm. i don't know cruella will probably also do really well i think it is doing really well at yeah the that's box what office. i've heard yeah so it, it's exciting to to see what people like like and, and, and what does well like i used to have an app called like my box office where you ranked what you thought was going to do really well at the yeah, box office and you told then, me about that yeah and then it would be like a game you could mm-hmm. compete against your friends and like have like essentially a fantasy league where you'd see who got the most right like bro, spots bro we might we might be really good at that Bro, we gotta get back into that. Let's shit. fucking let's fucking do it for the podcast every week. Hey, we'll give every our, week we'll give our box office Bam. predictions, and then the next week and see if we were right or not. We got you heard it now, folks. It's a new segment. It's coming back. It's yeah, coming back. it's called box office bitches. And Q and A really will come back. We just gotta. Oh, yeah, we just yeah, yeah. gotta stop uh, waiting so long to to record. We yeah. we we've been bad, but we're recording. We are with a few days to spare this yes. week, which makes us sexy and smart. Exactly, I would love to do another Q and A really, really soon. Yeah. Man, and I think we'll have our first guest soon. I, I yes, I, if we've been talking, if it works out, I think that maybe we could even do it this next week. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking. Well, I don't want to give them away. No, but I think, I think we might have our first two, two guests. Yes, at that, and they might even find out that they're being asked to do this. By listening to the podcast, who knows? Exactly. Well, uh, and you know who you are. Do you do you want to know who it is? Maybe you should listen next week. Yeah. Too, in addition to this T- week, tune in next week for our poss- possibly probably first guest spot on the um on the pod. I the, my brain's dying. The answer Sorry. to the mystery box will finally come to fruition next week. Exactly. On Mind Over Movies. Tune in. Also, I'm pregnant, and I will reveal the father next week. Really? Yes. And you are... Uh, you have a twist, too. I do. What I is your twist? twist? What's um, your uh, I will little cliffhanger bit? Finally reveal which one of the limbs on my body is bionic. Shit. Yeah. All of that next week. All of it next week. Tune in. Tune next, fucking in, ne- bro. Next week, bro. It's going to be hype. Yeah. Smash that freaking like button on spotify we're a spotify exclusive podcast now you should download the episode on spotify for shits and giggles even if you don't need to just download because it helps with 
uh, statistics. Yeah, fuck you, Joe Rogan. We're coming for your spot, yeah, bitch. Yeah, Joe Rogan. Bam, let's high five. Let's high five. All right.